ladies and gentlemen, I am here with Roger Desmond, technical director, staging supervisor. He and I met on a show we did together in Vegas, large show, but then what's interesting, our room was like a breakout room, um, which would be considered like a general session for some other conferences, but uh, you know, we, we did our thing, he was the technical director in our room, but you know, Roger, hello, greetings. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, yeah, so what technical director, staging supervisor, explain this to us. Well, it's kind of two different terms in two different worlds, the... Uh Technical director is uh, more of a, I guess you could say, a corporate uh, world term uh, with uh, making sure that all the technical aspects of the show are met to uh, fulfill the needs of the uh, presentation that's going to happen, whether it's uh, speakers, number of speakers, number of mics, uh, and then making sure that that order with the uh, AV company is met, the labor needs are met to get the show set up uh, and in the door uh, within a time frame and budget that the uh, set by the producers. Um, then on the staging supervisor end, it's more of a television world because the video and audio aspects are tied to the broadcast of things. And then you have a tech manager that's dealing with those things. Staging supervisors dealing with, uh, dealing with the tech manager, but also making sure that all your scenic elements, lighting elements, and uh, Props, backline, anything to do with bands uh, are all going to be loaded in in the time frame and budget labor-wise uh, that your producer's setting and then um, keeping the uh, deck crew running. So because of the scope is so much larger, once you add a broadcast element, uh, that's why we usually uh, it's split up between two different scopes in that world. So Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm glad that you clarified that because, you know, in the broadcast side, you know, I come from the broadcast side as well. Um, with uh, sports mm -hmm. and just general broadcast. So like a, a technical director or a TD is the person that's switching cameras. Correct, absolutely. But on a corporate side, that's called what a camera switch or a high-res switcher, you know, so there's a difference there. It kind of, yeah, it, I agree. Uh, it kind of depends on the shop you're dealing with um, on what they, what term they like to use on the, uh, on the orders because, you know, you have your screen switcher and they just call them your screen switcher and, in uh, television, they'll call it the screens TD, and then, uh, like you said, the TD uh, wouldn't be called out as that. It would be called a camera switcher or however mm -hmm. you know whatever term the that particular shop uses. Because LMG uses different terms in PRG, and uh, mm -hmm. they, they mm -hmm. they're all kind of uh, unique in their own way. So yeah, well, you know, for for this interview, I want to I'm gonna we're gonna stay on the broadcast side and the staging supervisor because you know, sure. we get a lot of corporate. Um, we've got a lot of corporate more recently, but I definitely want to get some of that uh, broadcast element for our listeners. But let's let's go ahead and rewind it all the way back to how you found this industry that we call live event production. I used to tour doing Broadway shows, uh, Phantom uh, and Wicked, and uh, I'm going to already stop you. I'm going to already stop you. Okay, because we we got to go further back. How oh, did okay. you even get to that point? I got put in the wrong <laughs> class in high school. Uh, I wanted to be in woodshop, and I got put in this class called technical theater. And uh, my counselor said, well, it takes two weeks to get your schedule changed. So uh, just try it for a little while. And they build stuff in there, too. So there you go. And uh, <laughs> and so, they, uh, so I kind of tried it out for a week, and uh, I enjoyed it. And had some friends that I knew from uh, junior high in there, and uh, it was a fun class. And then... Uh, Went to, uh, got a scholarship to uh, 
an all women's private school in Columbia, Missouri, Stevens mm-hmm. College. It was uh, around 12 men uh, that went to the school for, uh, we were in an apprenticeship program, oh. uh, actors, dancers, theatrical design. And uh, it was a three-year, two-summer program there. We did about 50 shows in those three years. Uh, and then uh, I got picked up by a uh, touring company, went out on the road uh, that I met when I was there in uh, Columbia. They came through town. Uh, the, the AB company I was working for locally, just kind of moonlighting for, uh, picked up the uh, bid for some lighting and audio stuff. Um, I guess I made the right impression with those people and then went out on the road with them and then just met more and more people as you go and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. climb the ladder. And um, a friend of mine from college was working for another person that was doing a lot of this corporate stuff. And uh, uh, she actually worked for George P. Johnson and then met this uh, freelance TD that was working for them. And uh, Now, where's George P. Johnson based out of? Uh, they have offices all over the world, but they do a lot of auto shows. So she was doing, a, uh, she was doing an auto show booth uh, for them. Uh, or not the booth, but she was one of the account managers. Yeah, and how uh, and how did you meet her? How, how did that? We met in college. Okay. Yeah. So 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 a friend in college. Yeah. Ended up going to work for this um, large uh, production company. Would you call them? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they're, they're kind of an event marketing and production company. So they mm-hmm. they kind of drive the they create a vision and then make sure it's consistent through all the uh, auto shows, whether the big ones or the small ones. So right, right. So you guys met in college and then just kind of fostering that relationship led to the you led to just more business. Oh, absolutely. Well, she connected me with one of the TDs that they were working with, and it kind of led me to, while I was doing Phantom of the Opera, I would take some time off from that show to go do some of these corporate events. And, you know, my foot in the door was mostly doing a lot of the CAD drawings and learning how to use mm. Vectorworks kind of inside and out and uh, doing external referencing and making sure that everybody was working on the right drawing and had the right information because. I'm not going to say it was unique to those situations, but we're, like we were doing a very large show, BlizzCon, and uh, it was the entire Anaheim Convention Center. So uh, I guess in previous years, there were some issues with keeping the uh, uh, all the vendors on the late on the correct drawing on what was going on. So because the last thing you want to happen is the rigger has old information, shows up, hangs a truss in an old location, stage is moved five feet, and then... Uh, <laughs> Scenic companies working off of one set of drawings and laying the floor out in one way, and then the riggers right now laying out the air in another way, and then uh, that could be very costly on your on your bottom line labor budget wise. So yeah, um, so I I kind of started specializing in, in dealing with the drawings and things like that. So uh, which kind of led to more and more connections and people and things like that. So now now okay, so all of this. We're we're talking Broadway. We're talking auto shows, and all of this started from wrong class in high school. Yeah, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, yeah, I had no drive to to follow that route really because I didn't know of, of its existence. So. Yes, yes, and that I mean that's a huge thing right there. You know, under knowing of the existence of the industry and what it could even lead to, right? Because you don't think, okay, I'm taking a drama class or I'm taking a television production class, and it could lead to this career, this lifestyle. Um, but it's just like that one thing just led from one thing led to the next, to the next, to the next. To oh, yeah. A good wrong, wrong place, wrong time, met all the wrong people. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, one of those things. So, but uh, it, it's an amazing industry. You know, there's a lot of great people in this world that we uh, get to work with. And it's such a, a niche thing that uh, it's, uh, it's it, you know, I've just been very lucky throughout this whole time. So. Yeah. Now you now you mentioned vector works and drawings and stuff like that. Did you go to any classes for that, or was that self taught? Um, 
I, I, I heard of the need of uh, this uh, kind of uh, management being needed and kind of uh, started reading up on uh, through the Vectorworks manuals and help files and things on uh, different workflows. And then uh, uh, I was doing Phantom of the Opera uh, in, I think we were in Baltimore, and uh, uh, Nimichek, the home the parent company of Vectorworks is based there and they have training classes. So mm-hmm. I went and just took a five day course. Um, I think I could have gotten a lot more out of it if we didn't have, it was only four people, but one person barely knew how to turn a computer on, uh, had no business <laughs> being in that class. And then when he said he wanted to take the advanced class, oh man, I kind of begged him to, Hey, why don't you go home for a week and digest what you just learned and then maybe come back. Cause I didn't want him slowing it down, but so, so you're um, not even an instructor. You're just a class participant. And then, and just saying, Hey buddy, you need yeah. to, <laughs> why, why, why don't you take a moment to digest what you just learned, you know? And, uh, there's a power button there. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, uh, I knew what types of things that the software was capable of doing. Uh, And uh, I was able to work with the the teacher and uh, get them to kind of uh, plow into the advanced class, part of that workflow. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, then it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, You know, there's been a little frustration lately with the uh, format. I don't know if you do much drafting, but... um, No, I don't, but I I do tend to, you know, uh, not drafting myself, but working with other people's files to understand the pro- projection aspect and, oh, absolutely. and stuff like that. Well, well yeah. and that was something fun as well, you know, when I, and to kind of back, back up a little bit was, uh, you know, after taking the class and doing things like that, working on like Sony PlayStation shows and things, just as the kind of technical drafts person auditing things to make sure that the line array wasn't going to be in the cone of the projector mm-hmm. or figuring out how tall to build the scaff tower and the, in the seats of the arena, uh, things like that, you know, which Vectorworks is great at, uh, and the Vectorworks camera tool is great as well. So you can put a camera at camera lens height on your camera riser and get a very accurate picture of, uh, what it's going to look like on camera. Uh, so you can set trims of, uh, either, uh, prompter monitors cause sometimes we'll fly as you probably know, use projector screens as mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. as prompter where, you know, they're facing the uh, stage rather than facing the audience. Um, uh, things like that, especially in low trim ceilings, uh, being able to, to get that together. And uh, we were doing a Blackberry show in, in New York and I kind of had that uh, good God moment. This is awesome. Uh, when <laughs> the producer thought that the prompter monitor, which we had at center flown out, uh, high enough to not be in the camera shot was too high. The The presenter was looking up too often. And I, and I went up in a lift and I said, I'm going to start lowering my hand and you tell me when it starts blocking the, uh, the screens on the truss. And I moved it six inches. And sure enough, he said, stop. Uh, and I intentionally raised that screen six inches higher than what the computer told me to do it at just as a buffer, you know, because uh. sometimes the riggers will say, ah, it's within a couple inches, it's fine. And I didn't want to have to go up and nudge it two inches, you know, so, um, so, so it was very exciting to see that, but, um, I think there's been a lot of frustration in the Vectorworks world lately, uh, because everybody's going to the subscription format where you have to pay a yearly subscription, which Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of people don't have a problem with, but the issue is, is that I feel that Nimichek is trying too hard to push a new software version every year with new features. And of course, with every new version that comes out, it's buggy. So everyone is hesitant to jump. 
uh, into the latest version. So then when you're doing external referencing or project files or things like that, you have people working in different versions because of their hesitation in the middle of a project. Cause you know, we're all working on multiple projects at a time. If I'm doing a really big show, I'm not going to jump versions in the middle of that show. I'm going to wait till that show's done. Um, so, so that's kind of the drafting end of things. And, uh, that, that becomes more and more important with, uh, these corporate shows because the producers want to do more and more, which God bless them. You know, it makes sense, but, uh, we, we still have the same time frame, So you have to have all your ducks in a row. Yeah, I was having a conversation with somebody um, the other day just talking about how the hotels have a hard time just managing the load of you know the client, the uh, hotel guest, and then their managers themselves. It's like that triangle of just trying to manage everybody's expectations. Um, how do you see yourself as a... Manager uh, of expectations. Tech, yeah, there you go. Manager <laughs> of expectations. You know, because you got a lot going on. That's kind of the job description. You know, uh, the uh, keep keep keeping um, keeping the attitude positive, uh, no matter the circumstance, to make sure that everybody feels comfortable with the outcome. Uh, even though uh, times can get very frustrating, and you can get. Uh, things can go awry and in the wrong direction. You know, you're always, f I have a friend of mine that says you're always five minutes away from being five hours behind. <laughs> and you kind of have to be looking at not the step you're on, but the step you need to be on three steps from now, because you've already thought about what you're doing um, mm -hmm. and, and, and keeping that forward momentum and making sure that you're not going to hit a bottleneck uh, because you had your head in the sand or what have you. So, um, that's always an enjoyable thing. I always enjoy the load in. I always enjoy the load out, uh, and uh, keep it keeping things flowing and supporting not only uh, the producer but also the vendors and making sure that things are are rolling the way they need to. So yeah. Now, how do you keep things flowing? Like I said, you're always looking at the three steps in front of where you are, yeah. uh, making sure that you're not about to get bottlenecked on the dock or uh, the, the 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 conference letting out next door. They're not filling the hallway full of chairs. Uh, just always kind of being aware of your surroundings uh, so you guys can focus on getting the gear in the cases and getting the truss out of the air while and knowing that you know, you're not going to be standing around for 20, 30 minutes waiting to get down the hallway because <laughs> of some unforeseen uh, thing that came out in front of you, you know, so. Right. Uh, and I mean, and that's especially important in uh, – more of the television things, like when we're doing shows for MTV out at, we do, you know, fairly large shows at Petco Park down in Padre Stadium in San Diego, things like that. You know, you're, you're, you're having semis have to come in through a very densely populated area while Comic-Con's going on. Mm. And uh, you're pulling these things up onto the sidewalk and into the ball field to get loaded. And... Um, in those circumstances, I'm usually focused on making sure the trucks are there because I hire a production team that I don't have to watch them like a hawk getting the cases all ready to go. Uh, I just support them by making sure that truck is sitting there and I can say, all right, it's ready to load and I can walk away from it and they can take care of it from there. So, right. um, you know, and making sure everybody's got enough water and making sure that everybody, <laughs> you know, is getting their breaks when they need them. You know, nobody wants to take a break during a loadout, but, you know, everybody's working yeah. hard and everybody deserves 15 minutes to, you know, catch their breath or, you know, check their phones or do whatever needs to be done, you know. So well, it's, 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 it's interesting. You, you touched on so many things right there. Um, you, you mentioned MTV. 
you've mentioned Petco Park at, in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that. I've gone to a couple mm-hmm. ball games there. And then you've mentioned Comic-Con, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about a major city, a venue that's made for baseball, not for concerts or whatever MTV might be doing. You're talking about MTV, the expectations of M- of music television network. And then you're also mm-hmm. talking about Comic-Con. And, and you have to think about all of that in order to get that one job done. Well, you have to factor in that there's so much going on around you yeah. uh, outside of the field because that I, – I, it sounds like you're familiar with the location, but yes. it's right there in the armpit of the whole thing in the Gaslight District. So, mm-hmm. um, And the limitations you know, of the Gaslight District itself because it was a historical area that wasn't oh, yeah. made to be you know so big and take in so much. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, working with your vendors, trucking companies, and making sure that everybody understands you can't come too early and you can't come too late. So you're mm-hmm. kind of threading the eye of the needle and, and working with the ball field and things like that to figure out where we could stage trucks so they're not too far away. And because, I mean, sometimes a truck might be just a mile away, but it could take an hour for him to go that mile because, yeah. you know, he's a semi. So, <laughs> um, I mean, we, we deal with that problem here in New York City as well. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of little tricks. We'll tell the trucks to go hide if they're not familiar with the New York area. Um, <laughs> go but, wait in this uh, certain area. It's, it's not a true loading dock waiting area, but to kind of hang out there until we're ready for you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because we'll tell them to go hide by Javits or something because they can pull over on the side of uh, 11th Avenue or 10th Avenue and, and kind of hang out there. You know, don't leave your cab kind of thing, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but just wait there till we call you. And then, you know, uh, we... Uh, I mean, we've even been in situations where permitting didn't get taken care of correctly on a show, and we're parking a truck in the middle of 43rd Street and just stopping traffic while we dump a whole semi of stuff, you know, and the cross street is Broadway, Times Square is on the corner, you know, so yeah, it just, uh, you just kind of run with it, you know, and uh, luckily enough, NYPD doesn't come down on us too too terribly hard, you know, a lot of, <laughs> lot of apologizing, and uh, but uh, it's... Uh, it, you got to get done what you got to get done, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and try to keep it moving forward. So, uh, you're the, I like to say, especially in the television world, staging supervisor, working with the tech manager, you know, we have the keys to the car until rehearsals and then it moves over to stage management, uh, till the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And then it moves back into our world, um, to get it out the door. So. Okay. Now, and as you say that before and after, those are your, you know, those are your things, right? Load in, load out. What, what is your, what are your jobs during show, during rehearsals? Supporting stage management and uh, producers. They're, uh, I just like to say that uh, it, it, it's their baby. Then working with the director and trying to facilitate, like that. There's a band changeover. Trying to, uh, like you said before, manage expectations on. Okay. Uh, look, we'll try to do this changeover in that amount of time. I'm concerned that uh, with the even if we put a hundred people on it, that we're not going to be able to execute that. But we'll give it a try over a couple mm-hmm. of times in rehearsal, and mm-hmm. sometimes trying to lay that out and go over it with with a director. Uh, they'll come up with their own idea on how to uh, throw the show to some other part of the field or other part of the stage or whatever while to uh, buy us one or two more minutes to be able to make the changeover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's that partnership of working together. That's, uh, that, that's great, uh, that I enjoy in the television and everything. things. 
it's kind of like a kind of like the magician aspect of you know you wave your hand over here so that we can do the trick over here. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's why sometimes when you see like a bird's eye view of some of these stages, you'll see like a runway that goes off to a little remote stage way off to the side, uh-huh. so that they can so they can shoot on that, and you don't see what's happening on the stage, you yeah. know. Or they'll do a reverse shot so that the audience is behind them, you know, while we're changing over f- to another set or things like that. So. Now, what would you say is one of your uh, try the biggest, coolest shows that you've worked on? Describe that for us. I'd have to say the one that kind of, it was a, it was a three year, three year thing that we were doing. Uh, we did the sound of music live on NBC and then we did Peter Pan live. Oh yeah. And then we did uh, the whiz live. Yeah. And uh, I'd have to say the whiz was my favorite. So uh, you were, you were a part of those? Yeah, I was the stages supervisor for all three of those, working with Tony Hauser, uh, who's kind of my mentor in uh, this whole world of uh, uh, most of the things I do for television things. Are yeah. Shout out to him. Tony Hauser. Oh, yeah, he's he's great. And he, uh, he um, so anyway, we worked together on those shows. Uh, a lot of them were multi-months of pre-pro. Uh, I think that Sound of Music was over 60 semis of, oh, no, not Sound of Music, uh, Peter Pan was about over 60 semis of equipment uh, coming in the door over the course of a month. And it's like like a little over a month load in. And then we had about three weeks of rehearsals. Uh, But the whiz was great because uh, it was the, we had one set of producers on sound of music and they didn't come back for Peter Pan. So it was kind of the learning process over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then once we had the same producers for the whiz as Peter Pan, and we'd all work together on the first one or on the, it was our second time working together, so we had a kind of a jive on uh, workflows and uh, understanding of you know how each other works. And uh, the whiz was really lock and step. Uh, we were we were banging it out. Uh, yeah, because you had, had that every, rhythm there. Absolutely, we had that rhythm, and uh, uh, third time's a charm, you know. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was a really beautiful show. The way that the LED walls with the RP screen over them uh, really tied in together. Um, with the cameras to keep the moray from happening. You know, that was all tech manager stuff, but kind of just taking lessons from corporate world and working together with those guys and, uh, and working with our vendors, uh, PRG scenic did all the scenery, um, uh-huh. did a beautiful job. And, uh, you know, I think the studio was like 120 by 200 and we decked the whole place out with, with deck, had to put a three foot deck in there, two or three foot deck in that whole place. And we had automation. I think we had about 30 winches on that show. Wow. Um, moving scenery, and uh, so it, it, it was. It was a beautiful moment for me in the sense of taking my history doing Broadway tours and mm-hmm. also doing the live television. And I brought a lot of people that had a more of a Broadway background uh, to be my support team and my carpenters. Uh, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Them getting to see the television into things, and then uh, uh, me getting to take my lessons from the Broadway world into yeah. the television world. So it, it, and it was a lot of fun too, uh, seeing the eyes of the executives from NBC when we'd give them a tour showing all the, all the technology that was going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, trying to make everybody understand, uh, yes, you're having to spend a lot of money on this automation, but weighing that out versus, uh, the unknown end cost with labor, you know, uh, how many times do you have to rehearse something to make sure it's exactly the same timing when you're pushing a thing with five guys because it's so heavy 
versus a winch moving it, and it's going to move exactly the same mm-hmm. timing every mm-hmm. single time. And land in the same exact place because of the exactly. limiters on it and all that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then unfortunately, if we have to go long in rehearsals and go over our budgeted amount of time, that winch doesn't cost you any extra. So <laughs> uh, that winch doesn't need a ride to the train station. That winch doesn't need meals. That uh-huh. winch doesn't, you know, there's a lot of things that that winch doesn't require, you know, and but it does require a skilled person programming and running it. It does require still people watching it and knowing how to fix it if it goes awry. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it brings the both worlds of uh, having a producer understand uh, the benefits of, of, of the automation because they don't use it in television. Uh, they might use a turntable, but mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not moving scenery pieces in a television series with automated winches right. uh, because it's uh, it seems to be uh, a more controlled environment and it's not live on TV as often. So, yeah. And I guess, I guess so, so winches, I, I would think winches are more so on the corporate side, um, how we do things. And then also maybe in touring and stuff like that because of the yes. live element, right? In Broadway, you're not going to spend the money. Your facilities might not necessarily need it. You'll have the, you know, your stage managers or whomever moving things, Oh no, no, everything's oh, they want everything on a winch possible on Broadway. Oh, on Broadway. Um, but but not automated winches though, right? Oh or, no, it's all automated. Oh, yeah, you push a button now. and it yeah, yeah. Well, not 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 100%, but uh you still have to get the set piece to the to the track that that has the winch in it uh and knife it. So, mm-hmm. but um then that way you can have that piece of scenery brought out onto the stage with the theater magic. You know, not four people hiding behind a set piece to push it out. Uh, and, and the same with the fly rail. Um, you can have that consistent timing of a scenery piece. Maybe it's really heavy and it would have taken four guys to move that piece. Yeah. But the winch can move that piece by itself and it can move it faster. And that thing can come screaming in to six inches off the floor, slow down mm-hmm. that piece, and then it just touches the floor uh, with, you know, a. Uh, a very short deceleration. So, um, but one of my favorite shops that does uh, all that stuff is uh, PRG Scenic Technologies because mm. they're not building the winch motor, but they 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 build their software. They build their uh, a lot of the a lot of the components they they put together themselves. Uh, they're not taking a silicone scenery or, or 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 something like that, which are good systems, but. Uh, if I had my choice on uh, providers, it would definitely be them just because uh, they kind of, I feel, have mastered it the best uh, in uh, flexibility with programming and then also uh, support. Um, and, so that's uh, PRG Scenic, you're saying? Yeah, up in New Windsor, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. especially because they, uh, they've done some phenomenal things. And uh, who knows, you, uh, you might be able to get like a more of a, a tour from their uh perspective and yeah. uh, because they, they do a lot of a lot of broadway so talking to them might be a good thing where you can uh check out what they're doing up in new windsor and then that might transition into uh, being able to you know see some exposure directly yeah, on uh, some yeah. of the other broadway stuff so i think that i think that'll be great for the listeners and the viewers just to kind of to because people want to know people want to know where they can take their careers and how they can progress and where the needs may be you know um but and and then talking about all of the things that you've done and all of the 
the management of expectations and managing the stress of somebody else or a piece of equipment or the, the whole technical aspect. How do you decompress from all of that? Because you're not, you know, you're, you're not on show site your entire life. How do you manage the other side of things? Oh, hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, uh, I spend a lot of time with my fiance and uh, she, uh, uh, I love grilling outside. So there's yeah. nothing like being able to, uh, you know, have a long, stressful day trying to uh, get everything where everybody wants it to be, but also have them understand why it can't get there. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> calling it a day and uh, shutting off the phone and uh, going out and firing up a charcoal chimney full of charcoal. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy cooking. That's kind of my outlet. And because okay. uh, you got to focus on it, otherwise you're going to burn it <laughs> uh, or ruin dinner. So, uh-huh. um so that's kind of my my personal thing, uh, and uh, you know, I, now you mentioned something about a wood shop too. Oh yeah, I, I enjoy uh, doing some mild woodworking. You know, building shelves or yeah. trying to keep it simple so that I'm not opening up another can of stress in my life. Uh, mm. I can, uh, you know, go down and, uh, you know, I can look at the sagging shelves in my office and then go, you know what, I just need to step away for a moment, go down and rip some plywood down and. You know, go to go to the store and get some edge banding, and you know, put this thing together because I've been meaning to do it for a while. So, yeah. uh, it's nice outlets, you know, to 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 be able to just uh, get it all done. You know, you bang it out in a couple of days with paint drying and things like that. So, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's a nice uh, separation from uh, the norm. So, you know, and uh, as we close out, I just want to thank you for taking the time to you know to be on the show and. Uh, you know, maybe we'll revisit some of that Broadway side of things on another on a second um, episode. But uh, yeah, I really think it's interesting how you ended up being in the wrong class, and then you were able to have an entire career off of that. But yet, when you want to escape from your career, you go back to the class that you wanted to take in the first place. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it, you know, there, there's always those types of things that uh, I find that uh, can kind of keep me balanced. So. Yeah, and that's important. Absolutely, balance is, balance is definitely important. With uh, like I said, with the management of expectations and management of stress, we all need an outlet. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that you have yours, and and I encourage all the listeners to have theirs. Absolutely. Cool, Roger Desmond. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll continue the chatter another time. Absolutely. The production channel is brought to you by its title sponsors, Showflow and Clemco AV. Its platinum sponsors, AE3 Media, John Landsman, Liesl Bala, Jeff Sturgis, and Ashley Davis. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor, you can find information at www.patreon.com forward slash production channel, or you can contact us through Facebook Messenger for a sponsorship packet. Thank you for being a part of this community. Everything we do is to make this industry better for those in it and those affected by it. We want to help you produce the best show ever, your life.